get ready. I mean, get ready, 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 ready. Hello, 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 mentees. This is Dr. Williams, your host, also known as Dr. Ross. We have a special guest. We've already started our conversation. However, we're going to continue with some enlightening conversation from two brothers, two Kappa brothers, as a part of our Intentional Leadership Broadcast. I'm going to have him to introduce himself, tell me a little bit about what he does, and share what he would like to share with you all. Well, thank you for the opportunity to spend time and talk and just possibly enlighten, encourage, and also educate. My name is Maurice West. I serve as the Dean of Men. I do corporate external affairs at Paul Quinn College in Dallas, Texas. Paul Quinn is unique in its essence as the oldest historically black college west of the Mississippi River. When you think about colleges and universities that were formed to impact enslaved or recently uh, people who were uh, exiting slavery, a lot of them happened on the East Coast from Pennsylvania down. And then the move and the trend started to move westward, and we were one of the first to jump. The college was founded in Austin, Texas, 1872, made a move to Waco, Texas in 1881, and then finally moved to, to Dallas in 1990, all economically driven and with the goal that as those first students who were learning to write, read, do blacksmithing, carpentry, and other things. You want to further cause and impact your student generation with things that make a difference. We need them to be bankers. We need them to be doctors and lawyers. We need them to be in the lead, not just in the role. So part of my job in every day, I'm out to tell the story. I'm out to build the relationship. And one thing about building a relationship, it's long-term for me. It is never just what we do on the short-term that makes a difference. It's 10 years, 20 years from now. And then finally, we're friend raising because at the end of the day, our students are still returning from living in and just around first generational education, resources, and economic challenges. So I'm, I'm challenged with and charged with the responsibility to build those relationships that will have people impact them financially so that we can eliminate or just draw down closest as possible to the least amount of debt for them to go to college and thrive. One of the um, goals for me as superintendent and this particular broadcast that's powered by uh, Academy of Dallas and Bear County Academy Public Charter Schools is to empower our leaders as well as our students, specifically as we call our scholars, with information from leaders like yourself um, and preparing them for the next uh, phase of their lives, especially when we're thinking about a global economy and so forth. Talk to me a little bit about some of the opportunities that are at Paul Quinn that our scholars could um, get gain knowledge from sure. in that particular area. Well, you think, you know, we're liberal arts institutions, so you think in liberal arts, and I focus heavily in those areas where we, we think we're good at everything, and we're going to believe that because that's just what we are. <laughs> but 
business and you're in Dallas-Fort Worth area and with 9 million people, roughly about eight, you have the need to address what the business community needs in order to help that supply chain continue to grow. Education is always a staple. We need better educators, we need strong educators, and we need committed educators in that respect. We do things in the works of communications. We have a degree in legal studies. Legal studies for us is that broad kind of pot, if I use, Mm -hmm. for sociology, social work, um, criminal justice, public policy. We're moving students into those areas, along with the interest in corrections or criminal justice law, but we're really pushing them to making decisions and change in that respect. We have a degree in entrepreneurship, and as simple as it can be uh, explained, I recruited several years ago a young man, and I've been on campus 14 years, everyone, so I have a lot of stories. <laughs> but I had a young man out of Waco, Texas, went back to visit, and the young man wanted to be a barber. And this is how practical it can be. I said, well, I can't teach you how to cut. I don't even have hair. But what I can do is teach you how to own your shops. Mm-hmm and to build businesses. Because you don't want to stand on your feet all day every day for 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week, when you can learn how to own the shop, to put others in that position, and then lastly empower them to ultimately own the shop themselves. Using the model like a Hiawatha Williams with William Chicken. Yes. He started, and he's a Paul Quinn alumnus, I will admit that. (laughs) But he started working at Church's Chicken and then moved to a, a, a thought I'll own my own. But now he's in the business of franchising, and he empowers those who've worked with him to own their shops rather than just continue to work for him. Uh, That's intentional leadership. Absolutely. And in intentional leadership, we leave places better than we found them. Because at the end of the day, I have to empower people to not just be a fisher for a day. I need to be a fisher for long term. So those are things that we do. Our our tuition model is very inexpensive. We've lowered tuition, and we lowered it during the pandemic, but also we brought it to a level where it's going to be financially affordable to all students. $18,000 allows them to go to school, live on campus, experience everything. We partner with local businesses and others to help them defray the cost of school while they're teaching and developing them. We have a year-round internship program. And with that internship program, they exit basically with an academic transcript and a work transcript. Because on two days a week, you're learning how to lead. You're not just going to a site to push paper, file. You need to know how to stay off your phone and dress appropriately and do the work and the business. Because we look at a number, I think I'm worth this, or I think my financials are worth that. What have you done to support that statement? And what experience have you acquired? Certainly we know 17 to 21-year-olds don't have all the experience, but you know what you can have? You can have desire. And we need parents to push them in that, in that place and space because we want them to have more than we have. We want them to have better opportunities than we have because they're available. And so those are our goals. That's what we do. We want to develop the next generation of leaders. And so it's critical thought, it's critical decision-making, and it's critical solutions that we're pushing them to make. That's fantastic. I, I really want to go back to... Um, the focus around the curriculum or um, the the entrepreneurship piece, right? And that we are entrepreneurship school, um, and that is our focus. Um, 
I want you to speak a little bit more to that, um, a little bit as it relates to opportunities for our scholars in the future, uh, as well as staff that we currently have, the opportunities as far as the entrepreneurship um, curriculum that you all offer. Well, you know, you can think about it through any lens, if it's business, if it's education, whatever. And let's just think we have a wonderful school uh, with Academy of Dallas and Bear uh, Bear Academy Mm -hmm. that were birthed out of an ideal to better prepare our student leaders. So that that's an entrepreneurship model in itself. While it's education-driven, correct. the entrepreneurship model is I can teach them within the curriculums and meeting the state requirements to think independently, grow them in specialized areas, and empower them to walk out more confident, right? Well, that's a model that we need in everything we do. Again, if you're going to be the person that washes cars, at least you need to say that my car wash will be the best one you've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. So it's a confidence in what you bring to the table. So for that model, if a student, let's say a student wants to be on campus and they want to create this new organization or, or a new program or concept, you know the first thing we ask them to do? Put it on paper. You're going to write down you your write goals down. and dreams and ideas. Right. Because while you may articulate it to us and you can say, oh, yes. this is what I need to do, there's two things that take away from it. One, writing down your ideas, you get a chance to look at them. You get to kind of hit the refresh button on occasion because you may find another way to wrinkle that or process that or make that better. But if you don't write it down, it's just a concept. you got to always evolve and continue to expand it. The second thing is we can see it and we can help you with it because our goal is not to ever tell someone that you can't do something. We're not dream killers. We're dream adjusters. And in being a dream adjuster, let's see what you want to do, right. how you want to do it, and in the entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial spirit, because everyone has it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's help you make that come to reality. And let's inspire you as best as we can. So in every major, and I think every college or institution does it, but with more driven intentionality to help you be inspired to cause change, impact leaders, and impact the future, we're pushing that in every area. Now, our next thing up is banking and finance. Because banking and finance, we don't have enough banks in the southern sector of Dallas or around the country in the, in the economically impacted, impoverished communities. And we need to be the bank managers, bank owners. Right. We need to open the banks, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to transact the affairs. You need to be on the side of the desk that's signing off on the loan or the transaction with education for those individuals so that they can take that business to the next level and grow that ideal or grow that home that you have with the sense of thought that someone's going to entrust me with the resources to do it. So everything has an entrepreneurial spirit. We're having them think independently and build their confidence, but more so when they exit, they're exiting with confidence in themselves and their tools. Naturally, it's some work because if you've never signed on to that mindset or if you've never had anyone you know, like daily touch you and say, you can be great, Mm -hmm. or you have the tools. It takes you about a year to get that wrapped around your mind. So we're hoping that we can kind of inspire that change, but drive change for our future leaders. I think what what you said about inspiring, you know, there are three big rocks that I talk about actually in Intentional Leadership, the book. And one is to motivate, motivate yourself through self-reflection. And that's writing down, journaling, you know, Uh, goals, visions, and so forth, and then inspiring others 
to shift their mindset for transformation. So when you talked about you're developing independent thinkers, it's shifting that mindset, whereas not I'm no longer just an employee, but I'm thinking about I want to be the owner of this business or uh, if I'm a bank teller, eventually I would like to start a bank. So it's changing the mindset of our scholars, our community a- as a whole. I-, I had the opportunity at Paul Quinn to serve on the um, Education Advisory Board uh, for a-, a year, I think about a year and a half or what have you. And it was really, really um a great experience for me, specifically when looking at trying to prepare um, the future educators, sure. you know, and giving them an opportunity to really come to our school, observe some of the things that um, real teachers go through as a part, of, a part of their practicum and so forth. Talk to me a little bit about your, um, your education program at Paul Quinn. You know, education... You know, I, I, I make a couple of you know, jokes in it uh, while I'm trying to kind of get people to think any major at any college or university is going to be designed to be great. They're written with a plan, an ideal, and an outcome to prepare you to come into that setting prepared, equipped, and empowered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the mindset that you bring into it. Because if the first question is, well, how is the education program and how good is it? Mm-hmm. It's as good as the people who enroll in it, and it's as good as you bring your thoughts and ideas to have critical conversations about the delivery of it, the mastery of the subject matter, and then how do you pass that information on to the students and the community, right? I don't think anyone ever enters high school, whether we're cool, whether we're the quiet one, or the, you know, most likely to succeed, and they signed up to work at a certain service industry for the next 40 years and say, that's my destiny. That's what I want to do. They have big dreams. They have big ideals. What we have to do is inspire them every day to reach those goals and dreams. Push them towards the military. Push them towards a trade. Push them towards college or whatever career. That way, when you walk into education, for example, you know that it has to be the mindset of try, fail, adjust, and try again. That was the teaching model that I was taught years ago at Paul Quinn College, founded <laughs> in 1872. But out of that, it's life lessons too, because I'm going to try something with the, guy, with the idea that, oh, let me see if I can do that, and let me see how much I can get away with. If I fail, failure is not final. It's just make the adjustments, mm-hmm. learn from that experience, right. And then ultimately, do it again. Well, that's the teaching model for education majors, business, and all the like. And we subscribe to that. I push students on a day-to-day basis about critical conversations, how are your academics coming. Go to that classroom and don't just sit and be told what to do. Ask the questions of how can I contribute? How can I impact and serve? And let me try, try this theory or this idea or this you know, little bit of instruction that I've been thinking about. Because if it fails, at least you know it failed because I might not know this or I might not know that. That's what, it, that's what college is intended to do. I'm not supposed to get it all right, right every single day. Because if I get it right every single day, I might get out there in the world that we live in and I fail and I'm not mentally prepared to adjust. Because it will happen. 
something's not going to go quite right because someone else has a control mechanism on the other side. But I should have the ability to adapt and make an adjustment that I can move forward with and feel confident that I've learned something. And so that's what we do. Education is still thriving. The one thing about education across the state and across the country is that we need, we need more students. We need more to go to the classroom with, <laughs> I keep going back to your book, <laughs> intentional right. desire to impact. So that becomes intentional leadership because we leave education because, well, I want to make more money or I want to have more you know, flexibility of resources. Well, yes, but those who are in the government, the uh, uh, business community and all, we need them to make the commitment to invest into education at a greater level so that they can be empowered with the resources to not only feel that it's a great career, but to feed their families and to support themselves in a ma- meaningful way so that the stresses of education don't seem to encumber you. And more so, when I take the break, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to come back and drive home that message. Parents have to be engaged and engaging to the level that if you've been at home with those young people for the you know, pandemic in the 15, 16 months, you should love and appreciate educators in a much greater way because they're not just giving out a handout or giving out some right. you know, things on the board and telling them it's a classroom management mechanism, it's a behavior management mechanism, it's 30 young people who are looking for something, and yet the teacher or the administrator have to be trained and prepared to manage that setting. So education needs the support that we're hoping for, but we're pushing and preparing young people to know what that looks like. That's great. You know, I, I think about um, an individual that actually leaves an institution or an alternative certification program, and they have the actual concepts um, and the practicum piece sometimes is missed. And when they walk in uh, the classroom, they have no idea. And one of the things that you mentioned was you have 30 people in the classroom. And you, with those 30 people come 30 different personalities. Yeah, and as an effective educator, you have to learn how to manage those different personalities in the classroom. You know, and that that comes through uh, support and training and development. Um from the university or the alternative program that they may have gone through, but also as a, a district or a campus, you know, we have to provide that, that support and that mentoring as well to assure that our teachers not only know the content, which is critical, you got to know the content, Correct. but then you have to be able to uh, know the ped- pedagogy, whereas you know how to teach. A lot of them are, I mean, we know the reality. We have shortages around the state and the country. Our schools are clamoring for people who just fundamentally care about coming into the classroom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the economics of layoffs and restructuring and reorganizing push some people out of the business community mm-hmm. or whatever they chose as a profession into education because I need to pay my bills. I need to provide for my family. The challenge you face is everything you just described, Dr. Williams. If I don't sign on with a mental commitment to teach, you don't have to be a trained teacher. You don't have to go through the education curriculum and major to be a committed educator. Right. Because we're hopefully sitting here right now and telling the audience Mm -hmm. nuggets and prepared wisdom and all, right? Uh 
So the first thing you have to do is have a mind shift. I'm about to prepare and impact the next generation. So the first thing I have to do is make it fun and engaging. The second thing is informative and rewarding. That's right. You hit it. Fun and engaging, informative, rewarding. Because when I walk in that classroom, the first thing you have to do, and I learned this as a 14-year teacher <laughs> in history and economics, <laughs> command the room. Yes. Yes, sir. First thing is let them know. It's not about being friendly. It's mm -hmm. not about being cool. I don't care if you don't like me in that setting because you're going to test me. Most kids are going to test a teacher, administrator, or someone that's a substitute or temporary. And they're going to test your heart. They're not testing your knowledge. They're testing your heart. They want to know if you really care about what they're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. So the first thing you have to do is command them to sit there and master this information and give them a reason to understand why this education matters. Mm -hmm. I had a young man, Dr. William, that great kid, wanted to learn. And I, I don't say I got into trouble, but I definitely felt like I would get in trouble. Mm -hmm. One day, I literally had him sit by my desk on the floor to take notes. Because up at the chalkboard, he could look, listen, and also take the notes. If he was sitting out in the, in the area with the other students, he couldn't focus. So I had to find a way to meet his needs. After two days, he said, this is where I will sit. I'll sit here so I can learn. That's right. So I can be successful. I said, well, we're not going to sit you on the floor. Let's put you in the day. He said, no, no, no. I want to be on the floor because I don't have to see them and they don't have to see me and I can look, listen, and learn. His grade went from a D to an A. Can I put a pin there? Yeah. Because it's so important for mid-tees. And when I talk about mid-tees, I'm talking about uh, those individuals in our audience. I call them mid-tees. Yeah. And what what's key, what he just said was he made an adjustment. He talked about making adjustments earlier, but he identified a student and he met that need, whereas that student needed to be closer to the board, and they were more comfortable sitting on the floor in order to do that. As a teacher, as an educator, that is something I did myself as well. I did not limit my students as far as flexibility to move around the room as long as they were engaged, involved in the conversation, or, or, or instruction. Today, we have to understand how to be innovative and creative in the way we're teaching. And that's not just at the middle school or elementary level. That's even at universities as well. We cannot do the uh, sit, sit and grab uh, methods anymore. That is, so, that is why we did a practicum for our multimedia program. Whereas not only am I going to complete these modules, but now I can apply what I have learned and there's going to be a final product, which is the documentary. So as an educator, I want you all, Mitty, to understand that sometimes you have to make those adjustments to meet the needs of those students because we all learned different personalities, those 30 different personalities that we talked about. And you have to adjust and make those changes. Continue. No, you, you know, when we think about everything you just spoke to, it made me think about bullies. Mm. Okay, Bullies are people who are looking for attention. Okay, when do we empower bullies to be leaders? Mm. Not just, you know, walk around the campus or walk around the building Spot and on. seem like they are the big man or big woman on campus. They're just trying to find a way to evoke and demonstrate their leadership. Mm -hmm. So how about that strong student sit with that middle and weak student? 
and they all learn together. Right. Because a strong right. student can inspire some change academically. Because if you think about the bully, between kindergarten and sixth, oftentimes our students are always given these checks. They're always told that they're good academically. Oh, they're doing great in class. It's when they get to middle school that they're exposed. Think about it. I have to go to the board. I have to read. I have to recite. I have to explain what my thoughts are. The student that didn't master reading, they don't want to read because it exposes my flaws. The student that didn't master math, they don't want to go up to the board. So how about you put them with someone that has it so that they can feel good about themselves and, and they don't become the bully. Because they're bullying people because they look smarter, they think differently, and they realize, I don't have it all. So what way can I deflect or push the attention away from me? Let me act out. Let me do something that's negative rather than a teacher pulling them to the side with a team like yourself and others and identifying the problem. Hey, can you read? Hey, can you do math? How are your sciences? Do you love science and frustrated because you can't do it? You do that in a small setting. You do that one-on-one with the family, and you address problems. Then you start finding real solutions. Absolutely. Because then we can take 15 minutes to address a student's needs. I called every parent at the beginning of the year, and I did that so that they would understand, first of all, tall, bald-head, black (laughs) man, six-foot-five, 220. But I'm going to expect and demand you be great. Now, I need you to support me because my methods were within the scope of work and the responsibility I have. But about 2% of that was going to be unconventional Mm -hmm. because I'm going to walk in the door and I'm going to maybe raise my voice. I'm going to get you to pay attention. I'm going to do bell ringers or whatever they need to be so that you could focus because I need you to focus. But those grades went from, yeah, maybe every. Six weeks, they progressively got better. We transferred that mindset even to college or into public speaking. How do most public speakers, motivational speakers get you? They're loud. They're aggressive. They're engaging. They can't just automatically walk in and say, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic day. (laughs) There's some ruckus. There's some energy. There's some excitement that drives you to listen and pay attention. Why can't we do the same with our kids? Let's put the best with the weakest. And build everybody up because that's the society we live in. And so, again, with intentional goals and ideas to make our generations more equipped and more prepared, we have to find where they are, address what their limitations are, address their challenges, and then lastly, identify their fears. Because once we do all of that, then we can have them chasing dreams. Because they're not going to chase a dream because they feel less than. They feel that they aren't empowered, or no one cares. Yes, I come to school every day. Yes, I come into a setting where you're supposed to teach me, but do you know me? Do you care about me? And that can be five minutes. You can make it five minutes even. Just let them know they matter. You, I, I, I'm glad you, you really uh, roll right into what I wanted to talk about. You talked about commanding the room. But what you just emphasize is it's about relationship building. Oh, yeah. Developing those relationships with those students and making sure that they know that you care. I have three questions for you. Absolutely. The first one is what motivates you? Said this earlier, and it's at the front end of this, but I still 
go back to I had a wonderful family. And I say that because my grandmother transitioned. My mother's no longer here. I have great brothers and sisters. And they inspired me to be great. They pushed me to excel, give back to community. But I saw a quote that was at the Dallas Women's Museum before it closed that arrested my attention that said, treat the world well. It was given to us by our parents, but lent to us by our children. In the simplest way, whatever we're doing today, someone set that into motion and prepared us to have it so that we could take it further and advance it for our young men, young ladies that are coming behind us. Because at some point, we won't sit here. We won't be here to do what we're doing. But what have we done that will make a difference for someone else that's coming behind us so that young baby has a chance to be a doctor or that young man he has a chance to become the president or that scholar leader can be just like a Katanji Brown Jackson, someone that's going to impact the society we live in because they've been inspired. So what inspires me is to always try and make the world a little bit better. And how would you say you can, in your leadership role, you've transformed mindsets within those individuals that you work with? I think exposure is one of them. I think the greater levels of exposure and visibility to things that might excite, engage, and entertain people, that's one way. Because if there's only a limit to what you've seen, then that's the only thing you will know. But if I know that I can become an investment banker, if I'm exposed to investment bankers, then I'll become an investment banker. If I know that I can be a surgeon because I've seen and visited and exposed to surgeons, then I can become that. So it's like that, that theory of kind of like Pavlov. You know, I ring the bell uh-huh. and then you respond to it. Well, let me ring all the bells. Let me have a band that gives you a bevy of choices and ideas. And then you can pick the one that aligns with you most because everyone is inspired by something and someone. So I subscribe to like a melting pot of of, uh, opportunities and diversity in the space of what you could become. And I say that because that's what we do at the college. We're going to expose you to everything to be great right now. Even on campus, as we are speaking, we have a workshop and a, a series of conversations that are going on that teach young people about being professionals. We can't expect you to be a professional. We have to teach you how to be a professional. Right, correct. We have to expose you to what professionalism looks like, both through words and deeds. So we have to show you and then, then give you some tasks to just kind of tweak you along the way. Those things drive me to what I would dare say inspire me to help make a change because every day we're supposed to make that happen. Absolutely. I think that exposure is critical to especially those individuals that don't have the opportunity to see um, the work in action or just exposure to a different environment. Oh, yeah. It, it's so critical. Yeah, think about that young person that got a chance to go up to the cockpit of a plane. Right, yeah. And, and we know science and technology allows it to raise up Go 35,000 feet in the air and then land smoothly with the right people underneath those wheels, right? But if I've never heard it, never seen it, never been exposed to it, I just get on the plane and pray that it will work. How about you know what it does, how it does it, so you can become that pilot? So share with the Mitties and the audience right now, how can they uh, contact the admissions office or any information you'd like to share about Paul Quinn as far as admitting into the program, 
um, doing a campus tour or sure. any events that you'd like to share at this time? Well, I will, I will leave with the fact that, again, as the institution is founded in the year 1872, this is perfect timing because we are right on the heels Beginning this weekend and through the next several days, we will celebrate 150 years of the college's wow. existence. And I uh, thank those industry leaders and those innovative people and those circuit-riding preachers who have helped to form, shape, and develop this path. Perfect and no institution. But to be around for 150 years says something and continue to thrive. We love the fact that we have made some great position changes, adjusted processes. Uh, programmatically, we're thriving. Athletically, we are thriving mm -hmm. and graduating young minds and young leaders into society. So the first thing, if someone is interested, you can go to any social media site from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and follow. Follow Paul Quinn College. You can also go online and apply at admissions at pqc.edu and get information. You can go to the website where it says pqc.edu backslash apply. It's free to apply. You can do that online, submit all documents. If you are a high school student that is thriving and like, well, let me go back. If you're a middle school student and just want to be on the database because we want to touch you early Wonderful. and then engage you. High school students, you want to make choices that will impact you financially and professionally and we are not that expensive to do that. But if you want to go ahead and apply, go ahead and apply now. Get in, the, get in the database and learn everything and be in consideration for acceptance and moving forward. And then as you would like and consider tours, certainly tours are available. Right now we've done abbreviated tours where we will have you on campus. We will do an external tour, just being responsible and safe with COVID and doing the things that needed to be done. If you get with me, I may sneak your head inside <laughs> of a building every now and then. Sorry, I'm just telling the truth. I'm not breaking the rules. I may let you peek in because I think that it's important to see the campus and Absolutely. see the life of a campus, but I also want you to see that room for my, not just from a right. video of sort. It may be, let me let you look through the window or whatever the like, because I know that's powerful. I mean, impactful and powerful. Even when it comes to food service, uh, students have a bevy of options that healthy, but also that uh, they probably can get a few extra freshmen to the team. <laughs> but we will do any of that. You can contact the office, and you can even contact me. My email address is mwest, M-W-E-S-T, at pqc.edu, and we'll facilitate working with people to come visit campus and do. Stay tuned uh, over the next few days if you listen to the podcast and you're able to go and subscribe as soon as possible. There'll be some interesting announcements I cannot speak to uh, at this moment uh, that will be coming over the next few days. We're going to do some things for the city, the community, to celebrate Fantastic. the 150th, as well as some wonderful opportunities for students to come and visit. Next Saturday around 5 o'clock, we will have a gospel concert. That's one thing I can okay. mention. That will allow students and family to come and Come on campus. You know, we are a faith-based institution founded by the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So we will have a faith-driven celebration mm -hmm. uh, among the fun and festive socialization that happens. And then finally, the college was founded on April 4th in 1872. What's unique about April 4th is that we not only celebrate the college's existence, but those who are historians and all the scholars will always identify with April 4th being the day that Martin Luther King left us. And so we get to reflect on one while we celebrate on another. And so that day has significance and uh, powerful impact that we try to promote every single year. 
Well, I want to thank you personally um, for joining us and being such an open and honest and transparent guest, but also just enlightening. There's so many things that I learned, nuggets that I will take away as an intentional leader. And I'm certain that the mentees and those individuals that are listening to our broadcast will do the same thing. Again, we had our wonderful guest, Mr. Maurice West. Uh, from Paul Quinn College, and we would like to thank you, and we look forward to having you again. Everyone on this on this podcast that will listen between now and whatever, know that you're great. Know that you have the power and the ability to be anything you choose to be. You've been gifted with it. God has blessed us all, and the only thing between you and your future is what you put on paper to go after. Put it on paper and achieve greatness. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you again, and remember, the genesis of change begins from within. It's intentional leadership.